Welcome to another episode of Men's Bible Study. We're continuing the series, Fan Favorites, and today we have our teaching pastor, Graham Golding, delivering the message. He will be speaking from the Gospel of Luke and how Jesus loves the unlovely. Now let's hear from Pastor Graham. You know, when I was in fourth grade, my mom uh, sent me to school wearing a golden long sleeve button down uh, silk shiny shirt, okay? A golden silk shiny shirt. And sadly, my fourth grade teacher didn't share the same fashion sense that my mother had. And my fourth grade teacher, Mr. Hornet, from that day and every day until the end of the year, called me Golden Glitter. So every time I came into the class, he called me Golden Glitter. Now, I've often asked my mum, what were you thinking to send me to school in a silk shirt? When I was in sixth grade elementary, I remember going down to the fourth grade for math and spelling. And unfortunately, the fourth grade students at that particular school, they didn't show a lot of deep care and concern and understanding for my learning difficulties. I remember the shame of walking in that room every day. There must be something wrong with me, I thought. There were many things in my life, and there are for us all, that make us feel unlovely when we hit puberty and we break out in pimples or when we were teenagers and we asked a girl out on a date and she said no. When a spouse leaves for someone else, we can feel as men unlovely. When we lose a job, when we're faced with a disability that we had no choice in, we can feel unlovely. You know, when I was uh, eight years of age, sadly, I experienced sexual trauma as a young boy And I would keep that a secret for 25 years. No one would ever know. I would never speak about it with another human being. I was embarrassed about it and I didn't know what to do with it. You know, over the years, I have discovered that when we peel back all the layers, when we as men are courageous enough to be honest with each other, honest enough to remove the mask, the truth is many of us, don't feel worthy. Well, we're aware of our sin. We're aware of our shortcomings. We're aware of our failures. And many of us, including myself, we live with shame and regret. Well, this morning we're going to go to God's Word, right? And uh, we're going to take a look at three passages found in Luke. And uh, they're going to highlight the fact that Jesus loved the unlovely. Those that felt shame and self-contempt. Now, when I say that Jesus loved the unlovely, let me be perfectly clear about this. Jesus never saw anyone as unlovely. Jesus loved those in whom society deemed unlovely and looked down on, those that everyone kept at a distance. But there's good news here this morning. The good news is, is that Jesus shows compassion to those that feel shame and self-contempt. There were many in Jesus' day that were abandoned, literally left on the side of the road and begging. But Jesus, he sees them. He cares for them. He moves towards them and brings them hope. Our first story 
is found in Luke chapter 17. If you've got your devices or your Bibles, Luke chapter 17, verse 1, and it says this. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And as he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance. Now, the first question we've got to ask is why are they standing at a distance? Well, they're unclean, right? If you had leprosy, you were required to keep a distance between yourself and others, 50 yards downwind. If you had leprosy, you had to leave home. You were separated from your family. You are abandoned by a society. You would tear your clothes. Your hair was unkept. You were required to yell, unclean, to let everyone know when you were approaching. Now, it was difficult for those who had leprosy to attend a worship service. Oh, they could go to church, but they had to sit right up the back, separate from everyone else. They couldn't see what was going on in the service. They could only hear it from a distance. This group of people that Jesus is going to encounter, they're ostracized from society. And there's no cure. Not only did they lose limbs, but eventually they would lose their life. This group of people that Jesus encounters on this day epitomize those who are deemed unlovely by society. Verse 12. As he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Now, some translations say they called out, Jesus, have mercy on us. Now, mercy is getting what we don't deserve. Sadly, there was a mindset, even among the disciples, that someone's physical condition was somehow the person's fault. Now, do you remember in John chapter 9 when the disciples asked Jesus about the blind man? And they asked, who sinned, this man or his parents? And Jesus' response was, neither. Now, these 10 men shared a similar belief. Their belief was that they had done something wrong that had angered God and their, their condition was a form of punishment. That's why they're asking God for mercy. They're not asking the Lord to heal them. They're asking for pity. They're hoping just for some food or some clothing. You know, some of us today, sadly, we think that we're being punished by God, right? And nothing could be further from the truth. Here's the good news. You guys know this. Jesus is punished for the sins that we've done. Jesus took the punishment. Now, there are consequences for our choices, but God is not punishing us. Do bad things happen to us? Do we face challenges? Of course, we live in a fallen world. Verse 14, when he saw them, that's Jesus, he said, go. Now, this is an unusual instruction from Jesus. He's normally saying, come, right? Come, follow me. Come to me, all ye who are weary. But this time, Jesus tells 
these gentlemen to go show yourselves to the priests. So why is Jesus saying this? Well, we've got to go back to Leviticus 14. And we read there that a leper, when he was healed, he was required to go to a priest to be examined. And if he was cleared by the priest, then he was allowed back into the temple and society. Now, there are only two, two recorded occasions in the Old Testament of someone being healed by leprosy. Miriam in Numbers chapter 12 and Naaman in 2 Kings. That's two in 1400 years that are recorded in Scripture. But Jesus comes along and suddenly people are being healed. It was actually a sign that Jesus, he was the Messiah. Jesus says in verse 14, he says, Go, show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. Now, this would have taken, think about it, an enormous amount of faith and courage from these 10 men. Think about it. They're going to present themselves to the priest to determine if they're healed. But before they take, before they take their first step, they still have leprosy. Here's our first takeaway for this morning. You might want to take a photo, write it down, whatever. Sometimes the most courageous step we have to take is the first step. The first step to admit that I need help. The first step to say, I need to get some help in my marriage. The first step to attend an AA meeting. The first step are courageous enough to say I'm willing to expose some of the things that I have kept hidden. You see, faith is exhibited in what we do. I can believe that that chair is going to hold me, but I don't exhibit faith until I sit on it. And as they're going, the Bible says, as these 10 men are going, miraculously, they're healed. Verse 15, one of them, one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. Now, I love this. There's one, only one, that came back and realized that Jesus was God. And there was no holding back. He praised God, it says, in a loud voice. He's uninhibited in his worship. Second takeaway this morning, gentlemen. Men who want to transform life will thank and praise God for what he's done in his life. You know, our worship leaders here, and I, I don't know if Greg's here. I, I know he sometimes is here. But our worship leaders, listen, and I know these guys. They're not in that, Greg is not in that position because of how good a man he is. He's there because of how grateful he is for what God has done in his life. He recognizes that he's a sinner in need of a savior. And he recognizes what God has done in his life. And he's not ashamed to express his praise to the Lord. Verse 16. He threw himself at Jesus' feet. This is the, one of the lepers. 
threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? One out of ten come back to Jesus to worship him. One out of ten acknowledge that Jesus is God. Sometimes it's a lot easier for us, I include myself, to ask God for all the things that we think are going to make our lives better and we, forgot to, we forget to stop and thank him for what he's done. Verse 19, And then he said to him, Rise and go, your faith has made you well. Some translations say, Rise and go, your faith has saved you. You see, being made well goes more than our physical healing. Ten men are healed only one is saved. Only one is made well spiritually. You see, Jesus wants to do a whole lot more than make some uh, improvements in our lives. He wants to give us a new life. You see, Jesus stops and not only sees this man, but he does something. Only one begins that relationship with Jesus the one who humbled himself and graciously came back to Jesus and gave thanks. Jesus not only offers new life, but next, he shows us the importance of humility. Luke chapter 18, verse 9. Luke chapter 18, verse 9. It says, To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else. Now, there was a belief among some that you were made right with God based on what you do. If I do enough good things, then God is going to be pleased with me. And I think many of us here have raised in a similar thinking mindset. Some people think if I come to church, that somehow that's going to make me right before God. Now, don't misunderstand me. Coming to church is a very good thing to do. But coming to church in and of itself is not going to save us. That's not going to make us right before God. You see, here's the problem. Are you ready? That you and I, that none of us, none of us can never be good enough you see, being made right with God is not based on what I do. It's not based on how good I am. It's based on how good and what Jesus has done. Amen? It's not based on what we do. It's what He's done. When we stand before God on Judgment Day, we're not going to stand before Him and give Him a list of all the things that we've done. Right? It's not going to be about what we've done. It's going to be us standing before God and saying, it's because of what Jesus has done that I get to stand in your presence today. And not only do we have a tendency, all of us, to put confidence in our own righteousness, but Luke says, we also have the capacity to look down on others. We tend as men to compare ourselves with others. Why? Because it, it makes us feel better about ourselves, thinking that 
our acts of righteousness make us better than the other guy. And in response to this thinking, Jesus is going to tell them a parable. Verse 10. This is Jesus. He says, Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee. Now, this is the, the Pharisees are the religious elite. This is the super spiritual men, right? So they thought. And the other, a tax collector. Now, the tax collectors, are, they're despised. Nobody likes them. Verse 11. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed. And he said, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. Verse 12, I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I get. Now, his entire prayer is focused on himself and how good he is. Verse 13, but the tax collector, oh, he stood at a distance. You see, the tax collector doesn't feel worthy. He would not even look up to heaven, but he beat his breast. It was a sign of intense grief. And he said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. You see, the tax collector is admitting his sin and begging for forgiveness. He's honest. He's courageous enough to express the true condition of his heart. The Pharisee, well, he's telling us how good he is. And Jesus says in verse 14, I tell you that this man, the tax collector, rather than the other, went home justified before God. Now, justified is just as if he hadn't sinned. It was a legal term, and it meant you were acquitted, free from charges, forgiven. And all of those listening are saying, the tax collector, the tax collector goes home just justified. The prostitutes, the thieves, and the adulterers listening to Jesus on that day, they are weeping. They're weeping because what Jesus is saying is it's possible for them to be saved. It's possible for those people to be forgiven. Those people to be cleansed and justified before God. You see, there was hope for those people. Third takeaway for this morning, Jesus gave hope to those who recognized their sin and called out for mercy. These two men who went had a number of things in common. First, they were both sinners. They both went to the temple that day to pray. They probably walked up the same steps that day, but there were some differences. Only one of them acknowledged their sin. Only one of them asked for forgiveness, and only one of them went home forgiven. The Pharisee was focused on how good he was, and the tax collector, oh, he was courageous enough to be honest about himself, with himself and with the Lord. Which man was justified? The tax collector. You see, Jesus is not concerned about our title. 
Not how eloquent we get up and speak or when we pray. He's not, he's, not, he's not interested in that. He's far more concerned, listen, about the condition of our heart. Whether we're courageous enough to remove our mask and be honest with ourselves about the true condition of our heart. And Jesus not only has a heart for the humble tax collector, but our third story is that Jesus reaches out to a blind beggar. Luke chapter 18, verse 35. Jesus says, as Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting on the roadside begging. Now talk about an unlovely man, a man that was filled with, with shame and self-contempt. The, the blind man, he wouldn't have had a job, he couldn't work, he's begging on the street and more than likely he's sitting at the city gate where the travellers came from different towns passing in and out. You see, this was the best place for beggars to receive something. Verse 36, when he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening. And they told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And he called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now, how did he know to say that? When he heard that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by, how did he know that Jesus was the Messiah. You see, the phrase son of David is the name that referred to the Messiah. The blind man had never seen Jesus do a miracle. He wasn't able to travel. He had been physically blind, but this man, this blind man, he had spiritual insight. And my guess is this blind man also had advanced listening skills because as he sat at that gate every day and the people passed through, he's hearing reports about this Jesus of Nazareth. You see, Jesus was healing people. He's raising people from the dead. And reports are coming in that, that Jesus turned the water into wine. He's walking on the water. He feeds 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish. And this blind man continues to hear these reports. He comes to the conclusion that Jesus must be the son of David. He must be the Messiah. You see, the blind man, more than likely, he also heard Isaiah 61, where it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to bring good news to the poor, that captives would be released and the blind would see. And as he heard that passage, he thinks to himself, maybe one day, maybe one day when the Messiah comes, I'm going to be able to see. So you can understand why he's calling out, he's shouting out, Jesus, son of David. Verse 39. Those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet. You see, some in the crowd didn't think that he had a right to call out to Jesus. Now, here's the truth about all of us. I think we struggle with this battle too. You see, on one hand, we're crying out to God, 
but we have to contend with the voices of doubt that say, God doesn't care about you. He doesn't care about you. You're not good enough. You've failed too many times. God's not listening to you. If people really knew what you were like. Now watch this, the second part of verse 39. I love this. But he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. You see, if you find yourself ever sitting on the side of the road filled with self-contempt and shame, listen, don't stop calling out to the Lord. Keep calling out to him. Verse 40, Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. I love this, the heart of God, that Jesus would stop for people like you and for me. This was someone that society saw as unlovely, someone that was overlooked, someone that was filled with shame and self-contempt, just like you and me, but not with Jesus. You see, Jesus heard this man's cry. Verse 40, when he came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Now, Jesus knew he was blind, right? So why is Jesus asking this man this question? You see, Jesus wants this man to voice his specific need. And I think Jesus asks us men here this morning the exact same question, what is your need? And it's our next takeaway. It's our final takeaway. God is gracious to those who courageously cry out to him their need. You see, the blind man said, Lord, I, I want to see. I want to see. Verse 42, and Jesus said, all right, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Now that word healed literally means to rescue, to save. You see, instantly the man could see and he followed Jesus. And the Greek word that says follow Jesus indicates, are you ready? He keeps following Jesus. He keeps praising God. And all who saw it were praising God too. My guess is that this man whose life was transformed kept following Jesus right into Jerusalem. My guess is he followed him as he saw him on the donkey. My guess is he kept following him, saw him overturn the tables, saw him and followed him when he was arrested and executed on the cross. And I wouldn't be surprised if that man, that blind man who received his eye also, it would not surprise me that he also followed him and saw the resurrected Christ. Jesus loved this man and helped him see physically and spiritually and his life was never the same again. And Jesus continues to invite people like you and people like me into a relationship with him. None of us are beyond redemption. And if you are here this morning, and like many of us, you feel unlovely, you feel shame. There are areas of self-contempt. Jesus, he sees you. He sees you. And he stops and he reminds you how valuable you are to him. He wants to heal those broken places. He wants to restore and give us new life. Sometimes 
the most courageous step we take is the first step. Men who want to have transformed life choose to thank and praise God for what he's done. And Jesus gave hope to those who recognized their sin and desperately called out for mercy. And God is gracious to those who courageously cry out their need, their specific need to him. Let's pray. Oh, Father God, we want to thank you, first of all, for the incredible hope that your word gives us. And Lord, the fact is, the truth is that many of us, we feel unworthy. And that's what makes your grace so amazing. It's because you don't look at us and see the the things that you, 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 you move towards us in the middle of our mess, in the middle of our brokenness. And Father, we are grateful for that. Lord, help us to extend that love and grace to every other person we come in contact with today. Help us to, uh, to praise you and to, to remember the things that you've been faithful to us in our lives. Lord, help us to be honest with you. Lord, I pray that you would give us the courage for some of us to be honest with someone else here today. Maybe to, to set up an appointment to talk to someone about some things that maybe have troubled us that we just need to talk to someone else. Lord, we thank you that you always move closer to us in those moments of transparency. Help us to be courageous. Help us to be courageous in those areas. Lord, help us to know your love and your grace this day. We ask in Jesus' name, all God's men said, amen. Thanks for tuning in to today's Bible study. For more information regarding Cottonwood Creek, visit cottonwoodcreek.org. And we hope you come back for more men's Bible study.